A branch, Jesus said, cannot bear fruit by itself. It can only do so if it remains a part of the vine. Phil Robertson has gained a lot of notoriety in the last year or two as the head of the so-called Duck Dynasty clan on A&E television. I don't know Phil, but I've known of him for almost 50 years. I came to know of him first when he was the starting quarterback at Louisiana Tech uh, there in Louisiana, of all places. And, and when Mickey and I were attending uh, Northwestern State. Back in those days, it's not so much anymore, but back in those days, Northwestern and Tech was like mm, Georgia, Florida, prior Alabama, Auburn. It was that kind of rock'em, sock'em, knock'em, hate each other rivalry. And contrary to popular belief, I got to throw this aside in here, contrary to popular belief, Bradshaw was Phil Robertson's backup at Tech and not the other way around as I have heard it said on several occasions. Well, as it turns out, I actually had the occasion to meet Phil Robertson about 10 years ago when he was the guest speaker at a Methodist men's group meeting in the church that I was serving at the time. And that evening, Phil came to us and he talked to us about his duck calls and even gave us some, you know, examples. He talked a little bit about his life uh, as a Louisiana Tech quarterback. He talked about his family, but mostly Phil talked that night about his faith. And at one point, he told us that if uh, he ever got you out in a duck blind to hunt with him, that he was going to witness to you about his faith in Jesus Christ. Well, that's okay by me. I kind of like that idea. But then, then kind of quit, Phil kind of quit preaching and went to meddling. And he, went, he said that if his testimony resulted in your accepting Jesus as your Savior, that not wanting to take any chances with the state of your soul, he was going to baptize you right then and there in that duck blind. <laughs> and that, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, started making some pretty negative impressions on this old boy. Because you see... I've been duck hunting once with my grandfather when I was mm, 11, maybe 12 years old. It was a bitterly cold November morning, and my cousin and I were paddling out to Pawpaw's duck blind in a one-man canoe. <laughs> Piro, actually, is what we called it back then, but it's a Cajun canoe. And two teenagers and a sack load of duck decoys overload a one-man P-Row, let me assure you. And we shipped water all the way out to that duck blind. And so not only was I cold to begin with, I was freezing by the time I got out there with my grandfather. 
And so when Phil is talking about wanting to baptize somebody in a duck blind on a cold November morning, I remember thinking, old son, you better bring your lunch because it's going to take you the better part of the day. (laughs) Well, Phil Robertson has done pretty well for himself. For a dirt poor guy from the Rock Scrabble Hills and oil patch of Vivian, Louisiana. And the title of his autobiography reflects the joy of his journey. He calls it Happy, 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 which is, if you've ever watched the show, is a, is a phrase he uses rather frequently during the broadcast of that show. And what tends to make Phil Robertson most happy? Well, duck hunting, of course. But mostly I think it's his family and his faith. But it wasn't always that way for Phil as he readily admits in his book. And he's quite honest about the time that he got away from both his family and his faith. But like the prodigal son of Jesus' parable, Phil finally came to his senses. He realized where the real strength and purpose of his life lay. And he returned to the fold of both the faithful and to his family. And the rest, as they say, is history. In his own preaching and teaching, Jesus talked a lot about connectedness. And how such connection is necessary for a strong spiritual life. And he talked about, in various ways, about where the roots, if you would, of that connectedness could be found. The only place where those roots could be found. And that is, of course, in and with God. I am the vine, he told his disciples on that night so long ago. You are the branches. And through me, was his message, you have access to God. Both of the houses that I have actually owned in my life, the one here and the one in Natchitoches, Louisiana, there have been virtual jungles out in the backyard. And mainly these jungles were vines growing up into what were otherwise some rather large and beautiful trees. And I decided at both houses that I wanted to see trees and not either the poison oak in Natchitoches or the English ivy that was in the trees uh, in our house on Circle Drive here. And so I hacked the vines that were growing up the side of the tree. And I noticed after a few days that the leaves up in those trees began to wither and to die, and eventually to fall from the vines. They simply could not survive without the nourishment which they got through that vine. It was the sustenance, the substance, without which they simply could not survive. And I maintain for you this morning that what is true for those vines is just as true for us 
Human beings simply cannot survive without nourishment. Our bodies need food. Our minds need intellectual stimulation. And our spirits, our spirits need God. That's one aspect of our connectedness I, I want us to think very seriously about this morning. But there is, is another. And that is our connectedness in Christ to mission and ministry. In other words, I'm talking about the fruit that being connected with God through Jesus Christ creates within us, within the lives that we live. To accept Christ as our Savior is to accept His call to mission and to ministry. We simply cannot have one without the other. Bill, you may remember a similar time in your life, but I will never forget the evening of June the 8th, 1972. I knelt in the sanctuary of First United Methodist Church in Shreveport before the altar at the chancel as our mission team did here just a few moments ago. There, Bishop Aubrey Walton and two of my fathers in the faith, Jolly Harper and Harvey Williamson, laid their hands upon my head as they ordained me into Christian ministry and service. And it was most certainly, as I hope you can imagine, one of the most significant moments in my life. And I don't know how it was for you all down here just a moment ago, but I will assure you that there is no way that even three relatively uh, you know, grown strong men could put the kind of pressure on top of my head and on my shoulders that I felt in that church that night. Something, someone more than they had a hand, if you would, in those proceedings, and I know who that presence, that unseen hand was. But that process neither started there nor did it end there at First Church in Shreveport that night. Because you see, all three of these men had knelt before an altar at some time before I was even born. And there each of them had been ordained. They were given divine authority as well as ecclesiastical blessing to preach the word of God and to administer the holy sacraments of the church. Furthermore, each of the bishops who had ordained and consecrated Harvey and Jolly and Bishop Walton had likewise been ordained and consecrated themselves in a process that traces its way back through the centuries to the very time that Jesus commissioned his disciples to ministries of their own. It was there on the Mount of Olives after his resurrection and before his ascension, that Jesus addressed those who had followed him in his earthly ministry. And he said, go to all people everywhere, go into all the world, and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them, 
to obey everything that I have commanded you. And then Jesus promised to be with them. He promised to be with us forever until time itself should end. Likewise, though I will never be a bishop, nor have I ever wanted to be a bishop, it has been my privilege over the years to administer the sacrament of baptism as well as the rite of confirmation to many who are dedicating themselves to Christ through his church. And it has also fallen on me to consecrate, to dedicate, to commission numerous lay people into the service of the church through various lay ministries as I did earlier with you all and our medical mission team. In other words, what I'm talking about here is a process, a, a continuity that reaches back before us, that extends out ahead of us. It comes from the vine, through the branches, and it produces fruit in my life and in yours. I obviously believe in the power of, of the rites of ordination and of consecration. But that doesn't mean that we have to be ordained or consecrated in any formal sense of the term in order to do the work of the church of Jesus Christ. In order to connect to the vine or to provide spiritual nurture to others with whom we come into contact. Back before World War II, there was a man named Dawson Trotman who began meeting with a sailor by the name of Les Spencer. And Trotman was trying to teach Les Spencer uh, about the Bible and about the faith. He was witnessing to him about Jesus. And during one of the, or to one of these meetings, Les Spencer brought a fellow sailor to meet with Dawson Trotman. He said, I want you to teach him all that you have taught me. But Trotman amazingly refused Les Spencer's request. I'm not going to teach him, he said. You are. You are. For if you cannot teach him what I've taught you, then I have failed. The vine and the branches extended. So Les Spencer began to teach his friend what Dawson Trotman had taught him. And it provided a process of connectivity, of multiplication, if you would. For Spencer's friend soon found someone else who wanted to be taught about the Bible and about Christianity. And so it went on and on. And at one point I'm told that there were 125 sailors on that one ship who were meeting together week after week after week for prayer and for Bible study. Then the war broke out. And when it did, many of these men were transferred, transferred to other ships and to other bases. And there they continued this process. And I'm told that at the height of World War II, there were groups of navigators, as this group was beginning to call themselves, 
there was, were these navigators on more than 1,000 ships and bases throughout the world. Hmm. The navigators represent the kind of interconnectedness, this kind of spiritual growth that Jesus was talking about when he used the parable of the vine and the branches to his disciples in the upper room on that night so very long ago. We take in nourishment from one source and then we spread it out wherever and however we can, bearing fruit every day of our lives. I don't need to tell you this morning, do I, that our nation, our world, Society as a whole is in one glorious mess. And it seems that the worse it gets, the harder we, you and I and those like us, have to work to produce any sort of good fruit whatsoever. And we simply cannot produce fruit without clinging tenaciously to the one who nurtures us and who nourishes us. Because you see, the fruits of the Christian life are not produced by our own power. They come through the abiding presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. And that process can begin in us and through us when we open ourselves to God's Spirit through the Scriptures in worship and in study, in prayer, in Christian fellowship and in service. It continues when we offer ourselves and our faith to those with whom we come into contact, knowing that it's as true for them as it is for us. Without that nourishing presence in our lives, we simply cannot be sustained. And without passing it along, the Christian faith cannot flourish. I am the vine, Jesus still tells his disciples. You are the branches. Abide in me so that you may produce good fruit. Without our connection to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, we cannot produce good fruit. We can do absolutely nothing. But with him, with him we have his promise that we can do all things. Not just a couple, not just a few. All things through him who strengthens us. Because he and he alone is the abiding presence that will save our world. God go with us. God go especially with you.